0: good tuesday evening everyone <laughs> welcome to the clydesdale media podcast my name is scott switzer i'm the clydesdale we have with us the one the only paige semenza how are you paige? hello
1: i'm doing well how are you great
0: we have cat running the board so she'll be in the chat with everybody tonight so say hi to her when you drop in uh, but she'll be producing so first things first um what's it like being a homeowner
1: oh <laughs> i'm not the homeowner um ben is the homeowner we aren't married yet so um yeah i it's not that fun when problems happen so but luckily like my mom has my mom worked for the city of wilkes which is a, a you know a town here um doing health inspection. So during her time in her career, she made a lot of connections with um <clears throat> people that can fix houses and get take care of pests and all that stuff. So um we had a pest issue and just ants, but yeah she looked luck- fortunately was able to to get us help with that and it was pretty easily resolved. So it yeah, could be I've, stressful. I've
0: owned, I have owned my house for 19 months now. Uh, We have a new roof. We have a full uh, (laughs) black mold system in our house now. We have termite control. Yep. Uh, Yeah, just to name a few things. 19 months, all that stuff.
1: (laughs) It's not. Yeah. When things, you know, when things are going wrong, it's I mean, houses are a lot of work, but um, we really enjoy our little humble abode. So we take good care of it.
0: So speaking of Ben, last time we were on, you guys had just been together for about 20 months and it's been almost a year, probably eight, nine months since we've been on. And uh, so how's that all going?
1: Things are good. Things are really good. He's actually still at work right now. So um, I remember we talked about having him on the podcast next time, Um, but things are going well. So, you know, he's busy with work and, uh, you know, trying to balance that with the social life and getting to the gym and um you know but things are good and I'm taking care of things at the gym we take care of things at home so we have a pretty good balance
0: so Jody asks Wilkes-Barre PA mm-hmm. and I know that to be factual yes
1: <laughs> yep so I mm-hmm. am living right now in Oliphant um Wilkes-Barre and Scranton are like the two big cities that you know people know Scranton for the office but uh so we kind of live in one of those small towns within the wilkes-barre-scranton area
0: yeah i was gosh when i was a kid swimming what, probably before you were even born um i was swimming at the keystone state games they held them yeah barre one year yeah and That's and great. usually it was at penn state but for some reason that one year it was in Wilkes-Barre, and I was over there. My God, it was such a long travel from Western PA, <laughs> just to oh, north yeah. of Pittsburgh, all the way up.
1: Mm-hmm. I know we. And when I went to college in Ohio, it was just straight across Pennsylvania. It's the most boring drive, um, but yeah, I used to do the Keystone State Games with ice hockey. Gosh, that's such a yeah. it feels like forever ago.
0: Yeah it it actually. You know, Franco Harris just passed away in the last few months. He was such a big proponent of the Keystone State Games. Yeah. At least when I was doing it, um, awesome. I was really sad when he passed away because I got to meet him at the Keystone State Games, and um, and he just loved kids and doing things for kids, and yeah, um, it was awesome.
1: That is awesome. So how
0: did it how did it work for ice hockey? Because I know in swimming they divided the state into four, and so I was Northwestern Pennsylvania. And we put a team together and we would compete against southwest southeast and northeast
1: you know honestly i can't even like hockey wasn't a huge sport especially for women so i honestly can't even remember how that was broken up i mean i'm impressed you remember that like i i can't remember <laughs> um yeah it was I, I don't know i don't remember exactly how it was broken up that just it was a small sport. So it's kind of hard to, I don't remember. I have no idea.
0: Yeah, Probably the reason I remember is U S swimming and whoever was running the Keystone state games for swimming at that time were in a fight and you could (laughs) only do one or the other.
1: That sucks. Yeah. Well, swimming is so, I mean, swimming here is really big. Um, at least from like a friend, like a friend of ours runs a, a club team and, Man, it seems like she is busy every single week and weekend with their, with the swimming team. It seems awesome, but
0: I I said last time you were on the show that I'm a self-professed mama's boy. I don't know. I really don't know how my parents did it with my swimming career. Like
1: the travel as
0: much as I had them traveling and my dad was unemployed when I was like, it was the eighties steel mills were shutting down. And I don't know how they did it. Uh, honest to God, I don't know.
1: Sounds like good parents. Make it work.
0: Yeah. And I want to kind of dive into that too, because you talked last time about you, your mom would drive you two hours one way for a 60-minute practice and two hours home. Yeah. One. That was
1: middle what school. Did,
0: what did that do for your relationship with your mom?
1: Uh, we, I have a really good relationship with my mom. Like She traveled everywhere with me. Um, has supported me when I've made crazy decisions, like, you know, wanting to quit a job to get more competitive in CrossFit. Um, So ever since I was in middle school, like, it's, it starts with her, it starts with my, her and my dad, you know, so they've always been supportive. And, you know, when you argue (laughs) about, you know, following MapQuest over and over again, um, you start to make a lot of laughs along the way as well. So my mom is pretty awesome
0: page when yeah, i was doing the long not distance <laughs> yeah when i was doing the long distance driving with my parents like they took me to private lessons that were an hour away like lots of stuff we didn't have map quest it was the unfolded <laughs> massive map and my dad swore he was the best at reading it and of course we always got lost and <laughs> but it but it was those times that like brought me to get so close with my parents cuz we mm-hmm. spent so much time in this little tiny car together and all we could do is entertain each other.
1: Yep. And even, you know, through college, like I lived away in Ohio, my parents were in Pennsylvania. So I, I called my mom a lot more often than I called my dad, but, um, you know, it's, you always have the connection with them and they came out every single like game weekend, they were there. So yeah, my mom, they were road warriors back when I was in college, they would drive, you know, great lengths to see a game.
0: The other question I have about that is that that creates a grind, right? Like as a hockey player, you have to want it so bad to be, to be willing to drive all that way to practice. And do you think it made you the athlete you are today?
1: Yeah, definitely has, you know, a huge impact in, in learning what commitment is and, um you know discipline and being dedicated to it you know you could use all the big cliche words but you know they're they're there for a reason and they they teach you you know value of you know time and and managing time and all that kind of stuff and um we loved it like my mom like we look back on it like we wouldn't change a thing we talk about that a lot um but we also look back and we're like how the hell did we do all of that driving Like late night driving, early morning driving. Like we look back then now and like it's exhausting just going for a two hour road trip in the middle of the day. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Yeah. So. So
0: I went to college at Ohio State too from Pennsylvania. So as on swimming scholarship. So then I only had a four hour drive back to my parents' house and it seemed like an eternity. Yeah. You had that plus another four hours
1: yeah across, across the rest the of the state <laughs> yeah. yeah
0: so were you able to get home much or was it more just phone calls and them coming to see you
1: um i definitely went home a lot of breaks i spent summers in ohio but um you know a couple of friends would we would take a long weekend road trip to my house or um i would just go home and visit it was always exciting to drive home it was always hard to drive back to school um, sometimes and then vice versa other times, but I always loved getting, you know, a small weekend in no matter what. Um, but my mom and dad came out a lot and they would come out even in the summertime when there were no games going on. Um, and I was just taking some classes. So we, we made it work.
0: Yeah. My dad looked at it as a challenge. Every time he came to Columbus, he he knew he could beat the four hour mark. He just had to do it just right. And he never could. (laughs) It was always four hours, always four
1: hours. (laughs) I know we're always like, okay, it's only seven to seven and a half. It always takes seven and a half, even when you're on like the easiest stretch and it just time just warps.
0: Yeah. So enough about all that stuff, but, um, well, one more thing I got to tell a funny story (laughs) because when I, you said, when you got home, like it was tough to go back. And one time I remember it was like a Labor Day or a Memorial Day, one of those weekends. And I tried to stretch it one extra day, but my parents couldn't bring me back. So I, I bought a Greyhound bus ticket.
1: Ooh.
0: Worst mistake of my life. Never done that. I ended up in the Cleveland bus terminal at two in the morning, waiting two hours <laughs> for the connecting bus to get to Columbus.
1: Oh, and you see my things gosh. in
0: that bus terminal... That no 18 year old boy should be seeing.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, you're taking a four hour trip on a Greyhound. They probably have to make a certain amount of stops and s- stop for a certain amount of time turns into what, a 12 hour trip or more.
0: Yeah, it was overnight. I got home. I got to Columbus <laughs> at seven in the morning. Like it was. Stupid. Oh,
1: that's exhausting.
0: Yeah. So um, I'm going to bounce around a bit. Um, I know Corey asked this question, so I'm going to go ahead and, and get, it's in my notes, so I'm going to get to it now. All these rankings have come out recently. Mm-hmm. Uh, Brian Friend released his female rankings this morning. Um, there was also the world rankings, and I want to kind of talk about that. So Brian Friend had you as the 31st woman in the world. Um, the world rankings had you at 27, and you but you finished 21st at the games. So what does that all mean to you and does it even matter?
1: Um, I mean, I think Brian Friend does his research, right? Like, but at the end of the day, you know, I, I'm the one here putting in the training and, you know, everyone else is putting in their training and what they're doing. But I mean, you're not going to really know. I think it's a a cool way to do predictions, but you're not really going to know who is doing what or how well anybody does until it happens. Um, you know, so I, he's been pretty accurate with me, but, um, yeah, you just, you never know, like anything could happen, you know, people can come out of the woodwork just like that. People can say they're not competing this year, just like that. So it's just, you know, you really aren't going to see the leaderboard until you see the leaderboard. Um, but I mean, it's just cool in general. Like I'm. I'm putting in a lot of work and to see, you know, to be in the top 50 in the world. I mean, in, you you just, you think of that when you put it in perspective, it's really amazing. So um, I'm just going to keep putting in the work and I love to do it, you know? So.
0: So I, I was, I was having a conversation with Carolyn Prevost offline and I asked her what her thoughts on were on the world rankings. And she said, I can finally explain to somebody like how good I am that doesn't know the sport.
1: Yeah. Because you can say, I finished this this
0: event or this at this event, but being able to say, I think she was 20th in the world rankings. Like Mm -hmm. I'm top 20 in the world. Then our friends that don't do CrossFit understand what that means.
1: Right. Yeah. When you, you know, look more into it and you just hear, you know, a worldwide ranking, you know, like that's pretty cool to think that you're in this very small percentage of, of people. It's kind of similar to a division one sport, like not many go division one in, in a sport and not many go professional outside of, you know, when they're done with that sport, like it's a very small percentage of people. Um, so it's definitely something to be proud of, regardless of who's saying where you're sitting or, or what, you know?
0: <clears throat> yeah. What I. What I the way I view it is Brian Friend is looking at all the research and all the possibilities. The World Ranking looks at people who have competed in the last two years, not on a team. I think that's the, the biggest misstep of the world rankings. Yeah. They they've CrossFit has essentially said teams don't matter. Which I think is a fallacy in this number because there are some great athletes on teams.
1: Yeah, that's true.
0: But what I see is that Paige is a an in-person big time performer.
1: Yeah. I would say I definitely do much better in a live competition than online
0: because you, and I think it comes from that team sports background. You're used to playing somebody and, and knowing that you have to beat that person or these people to do better. And, uh, and you always seem to flourish when you get to the games.
1: Yeah, I and I I feel like I've excelled year after year being at the games. You know, from twenty eighteen to to twenty nineteen to now, um, regardless of the cuts that happened in twenty nineteen. But um, I, you know, I just I bought in more and more each year, and I figured out what was working and what wasn't working. And um, I just I love competing. I love being out there. You know, challenging ourselves, being next to somebody who's you know a rep ahead and it's like all right i got to push a little bit more can i beat them can i not um, and you know there's so much like you see the external you know the people a- alongside of you but some of so much of it is internal as well um, you know there's only so much i can physically do and i need to kind of stay within my my tunnel and within my lane even when we're at those big competitions but it's fun taking risks too and seeing if it's you know if you're capable, if your ceiling's a little bit higher.
0: How much do you see what's going on around you?
1: Uh, Not a whole ton, but I do, I do try to be aware of it because, you know, especially when points really do matter, it's like, okay, well, I need to, you know, really be conscious of what's going on around me, but also kind of focus on, my, the movements that I'm doing and the pacing that I'm, I'm hitting and, and kind of sticking to a plan and not letting what is going on around me get in the way of my plan. Because, um, you know, sometimes perfect execution just comes from, you know, kind of tunneling out everything else and, and paying attention to just what you're doing. Um, which I would say in most cases is when I will perform best is, you know, keeping a tunnel vision when I'm out of competition, but, There are times when you have to know what's going on, especially ones that are like, you know, super fast or elimination style workouts.
0: What if it's a workout? And and the reason I'm asking this is I listened to a podcast with Rich Froning earlier today and his love for the gamesmanship of, of the event itself. And like he was using an example where he, the other person was better than him at one aspect of the workout but he was better than the other person on the other aspect and how he had to game that to know where to make his move and when to like knuckle down and go unbroken Mm -hmm. and that that's what he loves about the sport of CrossFit that in in in-game strategy, when you know that this person has you here, you have them here. How do you get ahead?
1: Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Um, everyone kind of has their movements too. Um, and you kind of start to, they start to, the more competitions you do and the, the more training you do, the more you kind of build your athlete IQ of, of, you know, just learning about yourself. You start to figure those out. Um, like in competitions, I've, I've started seeing that I'm a good person to rope climb. And when in training, I never felt that way. I never had the confidence to do it. Um, but it's been, it's been programmed a lot more. Uh, we do it a lot more in training. I don't cherry pick those pieces and cause I know I need to get better at them. And when you actually put the time in, it's like, okay, yeah, you see, you see it, you see it, you know, you see it for what it is. And you're like, Oh, all right. I am. This is a good movement for me. Let's take advantage of that. So I, I like that too. That's a, I'm sure it was a good podcast to listen to with rich.
0: Yeah. It, I'm just fascinated by the mindset of an athlete. Cause like as being a, a division one athlete for a brief time, um, like I gamed my events as well. I mm-hmm. swam the IM. I knew my breaststroke was going to lose me ground. How do I get ahead enough that I can sustain that and then finish yeah. off on the freestyle, things like that. I love the thinking behind that. Mm-hmm. But I, so I want to kind of transition now into programming. You've talked about that you've been a misfit athlete for a long time.
1: Yeah. 2018.
0: And in this day and age, it seems like the training camp thing, there's a lot of movement and a lot of things, a lot of like not loyalty that there used to be to, to kind of a program yet you've stuck with misfit the whole time. What is it about that crew that makes you want to stay?
1: I mean, first, I why fix something that's not broken? Um, even you know, we've had athletes here where I live that are are getting more and more competitive with it, and they've they followed Misfit for a while. Like back in twenty eighteen when I first started following Misfit, um, saw success from it, and then they just started bouncing programs. And I just it didn't even I didn't even think twice about it. Like I just they I've seen success. With Misfits Programming, I've seen them evolve their programming and their mindset around training, and lifestyle, and how to make yourself, you know, a well-rounded athlete and human. That it's like, you know, they don't just care about the fitness and the training that you do; they care about who you are as a person. Um, and I just, you know, I I slowly developed a a really good relationship with my coach Gabe, and it's, it's working. So I just, I just would never, you know, try to change something that's not broken. I see progress, I see success, um, and I have fun and I enjoy uh, working with them, with Drew, with, with Gabe, with all of them, Ted, Hunter, you know, so it's just, it's awesome.
0: They don't seem to like market themselves, which kind of seems to be your MO as well, right? (laughs) <laughs> that with all this stuff going on, you have like you have underdogs out there all the time, and you have HWPO and Mayhem and and Training Think Tank and all this stuff, and you're just being bombarded with it all. And Misfits is just kind of under the radar, doing their thing. And when I first went to live semifinals, the support I saw from that from that crew, like sending you all shirts and and yeah. and being there with you, and it just. It seemed like a really cool kind of outlaw um, group because they're under the radar. And nobody really knew what was going on with them, and maybe that's where Misfits comes from.
1: Yeah i uh, I do love like I. Anytime I talk with Jen, who does a lot of the back end stuff, like it's it's athlete first, and that's you know that's one thing to love about Misfit. Um, <clears throat> but they also they don't just program for the elite individual like they have such a there's a web that they program for and that they they just do a really good job at making it so that you can be a games athlete and that you can be an everyday competitor and they have everything in between Um, they have their affiliate programming like you know we have I'm a remote coach with them as well so I have a few athletes that I work with uh, you know under Misfit Athletics and We have remote coaching meetings and these meetings are about, you know, blocks of training that are well in advance. Like they are just constantly thinking and trying to evolve as the sport evolves. And it's just so informative to see that kind of stuff and see how much passion and work they put into it. Um, So, you know, I started following them back in 2018, but it's also become, you know, I'm just a really proud person to be part of a company like that and see the the passion that they put into everything.
0: So now you're remote coaching with them. Is that what you see as your future when you're done with the athletic side?
1: Uh, I, I mean, I coach in person as well here at our gym at CrossFit Vertex. I love coaching. I, I definitely would like to get more involved with the remote coaching side of it. Um, <clears throat> I only take on, I have a very small, you know, group. I only work with like three people right now. Um, but yeah, I definitely would like to expand more into that, um, and kind of see what that route is really all about. Um, it's just, it's hard to want to add more in when I know I want to commit to another year of training for the games and trying to get back there. So, um, you know, I kind of keep it, I, I want to, like, I, I value doing things outside of training. Like it, it helps me balance training, um, and not get so, you know, overly stimulated and mentally involved with, you know, the stress of competition and, you know, am I good enough? All that kind of stuff. Like it gives me an outlet. So, and I I value doing that a lot and making sure I have some sort of balance when it's coming, when it comes to the gym for training and for coaching. Um, I've talked about that quite a bit with, with Gabe about, you know, I need to do something outside of training to make sure that I'm not, you know, either crushing myself or just getting too in my head about it. But I love coaching in person as well. So I coach a good chunk of hours right now. I can also easily see myself doing that more when the time comes.
0: You see yourself more as the community coach or maybe some elite athletes as well.
1: Uh, I would definitely love to work with elite athletes. I just, I, I, I won't say that they're easy to work with, but I, I love the discipline that's involved and in, in seeing an athlete that go out like you know gets after what they want um, and takes your advice you know really to a T and and really tries to listen and and dial in a lot of the aspects that it takes to become an elite athlete. Uh, <clears throat> but I also we coach uh, we have a teens class at our gym um, and I'm not saying super competitive teenagers, but I really enjoy working with young kids too and just kind of, you know, seeing kids who have never competed before in a sport in general and they come in and they do CrossFit and they commit to it 4 days a week and they really enjoy it. So, um even, you know, if there's kids that become more competitive with it, awesome, but just to kind of be part of the mold that they are forming is kind of cool.
0: What what did you study at Ohio State?
1: I went to school for education. So I'm doing that in some form, just not in a school.
0: <laughs> yeah. You, and you, you give off the vibes, like the teacher vibes. Um, <laughs>
1: <laughs> I guess I could see it.
0: Yeah. And the only reason I say that is my co-host, Amy, who was on with us last time, uh, she, she's a teacher um, and runs yep. a preschool mm-hmm. and uh, you, you guys have very I'd similar vibes.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, and I knew, like, when I graduated, I was like, I had to go back for more school. And I was pretty burned out with school with hockey. Like, you know, I went through, I loved it. Don't get me wrong. I loved everything I did. I wouldn't change it. We just we went through a lot of coaching changes throughout my four years in, in school and just a lot of adjustments in general, which, you know, started to get a little hard um but so i I got a little burned out with school with ice hockey and then i you know eventually graduated but by the time i graduated i was like you know i don't know if i see myself sitting in a classroom for six hours a day you know i just didn't see myself being somebody sitting on a chair over and over again so coaching was a really kind of great transition. Like I, I still love teaching. I love to to teach and, you know, express passion through fitness um, and kind of share that with people. So remotely in person, like, you know, I, I like it both ways.
0: So Kat just chimed in that one of her athletes today said, Kat, you should have been a teacher. And I was like, uh, I kind of am.
1: Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, you're teaching, you are teaching fitness and people learn things in the gym that they take and they apply it outside of the gym. So, I mean, there's, there's a lot that people benefit from across the gym in general, the community, uh, you know, doing hard things like we're trying to, you know, encourage people at our gym right now to keep signing up for the open and whatnot. And, you know, it's, it's, I think that's one, one thing that we talk about is, you know, you find growth, but from doing hard things and and coming out on the other side of it so which also i'm excited for the open
0: yeah it's gonna be fun so and it starts this week wow i know it has come Too up fast great. agreed so the one thing for me when i was a coach i really had a hard time shutting it off to be an athlete again and and i i never figured out that balance so What? how do you do that? Do you set separate time aside for you page the athlete that is way different than you page the coach?
1: Uh, Yeah. I mean, sometimes they can, I can definitely see them blurring, you know, like if I'm in, if I'm not even in a class, but I see a class going on and there's someone in the back of the room that's, you know, kind of doing something a little incorrectly and the coach is way in the front of the room and they can't quite see them. Like I will chime in And, you know, just give them a little cue to make whatever they're doing easier or better. Um, So, yeah, I do need to more often than not divide my time. So, like I have like Tuesdays and Mondays and Tuesdays, I have gaps of time between the classes that I coach where nobody's at the gym. So those are, you know, perfect times to get something in. We also have, excuse me, um, our garage is a two-story garage. So, which is fully decked out machines, a rig. Like we are pretty spoiled, um, but, you know, we kind of bought it over time and made it what we wanted to make it. So we always have this as our outlet to just go in the garage, which is kind of, you know, incredible.
0: So before I get into your training a little bit, I have a couple questions. One is what does your gym do for the open?
1: So we... Get as many people to sign up as we can, and then we typically run heats all day on Saturday. Um, but obviously, you know, you have people that can't make it on Saturday, so we try to do a Friday evening. You know, you could can call it Friday Night Lights, but Saturday is our, our big day for, um, for the open. So, uh, Kalina, the owner, she'll gather everybody that signed up. And she puts a lot of work into organizing heats and making sure that, you know, everybody's schedules can work with the time that she puts them in. Um, and then we have whoever signs up and gets the judges course done will be there to, to judge the entire day or, you know, for part of the day. But we always make it, you know, a fun day. We keep the music going um, and just run heats. So, and usually a ton of people will come and just hang out, even if they're not doing the open, which always, you know, having some friends to to yell and cheer you on is you know one of the better parts of it.
0: Yeah, so Amy's in the chat right now. I she had an appointment tonight. Um but the gym she's at and I used to be at, they actually split the gym into four teams. Yeah. That's
1: and awesome. And then
0: it's a it's a competition, but not just your open score, but like every week's a theme week or mm-hmm. a charity week or whatever and you get bonus points for like bringing fo- food to donate or whatever oh, for charity week or dressing up dressing up like a superhero or whatever that theme week is um that's fun. and it it upped participation from like 20 people to like 150
1: oh wow whoo that's awesome yeah
0: it is massive and so like i know for the three weeks of the open i don't have amy as a co-host
1: <laughs> yeah right? for sure she's gonna be a little busy
0: yeah. Cause she's coaching, awesome. judging, participating. Yeah. And, um, all it that is. Stuff. It's, a, so. it's
1: a lot of work, but it's, it's totally worth it when, you know, <clears throat> it brings the community together for three weeks. You know, I, when it was five, like that's a long five weeks, but three weeks I feel like is a lot more manageable for an affiliate. Um, especially when you have a membership like that, you know, so that's really awesome. And And we want to, I want to do teams.
0: Yeah. And, uh, Amy said you, I think you said this, you can do hard things. That is Amy's favorite quote of, of all time. (laughs) That's great. So about your training, I know you train most of the time alone. Yeah. Are you an athlete that thrives in that environment or do you wish you had a training partner?
1: Um, so luckily for me, Uh, we have a younger girl who is kind of just coming up in the sport. Her name is McKenna. So she has done quarterfinals, I believe the last two years Um, and just recently started following Misfit. So uh, her and her boyfriend, uh, Ben and I get along with them really well. And we like to hang out with them. So, you know, it kind of worked out, you know, almost perfectly that she started following Misfit. And, you know, we can do a lot of training together when we're available. She's also in a clinical rotation right now for physical therapy. So, um, she is quite busy, but weekends we try to get together and have some fun and get some training in. But for the most part, uh, I, I like training alone because I can just have my own routine and stick to it. And because I've done it for so long by myself, like, I'm very much in my own routine, and if if someone wants to train with me, like if Ben's like I want to come and and you know on my day off and work out with you, like well I'm doing my full warm up, my mobility, like there's a whole whole you know routine to go through, and I don't change that for I won't change that. <clears throat> and you know when you start training with people, you kind of have to readjust what you do and all that. So not that it not that I wouldn't. Um, and I do quite, you know, frequently, but not too much, especially if I go up to Misfit and I'm there for a weekend, um, training with Caroline and Austin or something like that. So, but I like what I do right now. I, I enjoy it and it just works. Do
0: you think the Misfit camps give you enough of that, like competitive fire? Like when you go up there and you're with Carolyn and you can like rip it up. Right. Cause you guys are both elite yeah. athletes and can do it every day. That might get to be, that's the argument for against training camps, right? That yeah. too much of that can burn you out.
1: Yeah, I definitely, like if I was in, you know, kind of a, a kill zone of needing to compete all the time and needing that environment, that would crush me. Like I, I would burn out from that I could use it maybe one or two times a week, but to do that every day. And I'm sure, I'm sure, you know, owners that, you know, people that run these training camps are aware of that and they probably, you know, hopefully try to find balance with it. Um, I remember hearing a podcast from, I think it was Brute Strength that, you know, certain athletes have certain training windows together and certain ones don't and whatnot. But I mean, that's also part of it too, is like, I don't want someone to dictate my schedule. Like I'm 31 years old. I don't, as much as I love having a coach, like I, I also have my independence and I think that's why it works so well.
0: Being 31 and in the sport with all these young teenagers coming up.
1: Can't stand them.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Just get rid of them all.
1: Yeah. Just go away. Just kidding.
0: Yeah. Yeah so is there a sense of pride that you're still performing at an elite level, making it back to the games, essentially top 20. Um, and all these young kids are coming up and trying to to bump you out, but you're not going anywhere.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think you can look at it both ways, right? Like it's cool that someone like myself or Christy Arimo, or Emily Rolf, like we're all in our thirties, our, our early thirties. And then you have the Haley Adams and Mal O'Briens who are, you know, late teens, early twenties. And it's like, I, I don't know. I, I, I do get a sense of pride from it. Um, but I also get a sense of pride at, at seeing what these teenage girls are doing and, you know, their approach to to training and, All, you know, just their, their athleticism and their fitness is amazing. And it's, um, I think because I coach a teen class now and I have so much pride in seeing them excel in sport and in school and whatever that, you know, I have no, it's hard to not be proud to see that, that happen. And especially in a sport that you love. Um, but yeah, I'm damn sure going to keep trying to compete with them and, and hang on right now. Um. But I, I don't feel like I'm, I don't feel like I'm hanging on. I feel like I am in a good spot, and I, I feel confident. So that's that's a big change too, from when I was first competing in 2018 to where I'm at now. Is the confidence.
0: So let me put your cat coach's hat back on, and you do not have to name a name. But when you look at these young teens coming up, is there any one of them that you look at and go, "Man, if I could just get a hold of that person." and coach them, I know I could make a difference.
1: Yeah. A hundred percent. Um there's a few. And I I kind of, you know, get to you know, I McKenna follows Misfit and we train together. Like I'm not her coach in any any way, but you know, she kind of can see what I do and how I, you know, go about certain training pieces and how, you know, their strategy and, you know, how it can be something as simple as rowing, but you can have, you know, so many things to think about as far as pacing and all this stuff. And, you know, just kind of giving her those little tidbits is kind of cool. And I'm really excited to see what she does, especially this year. Um, But, you know, even remote athletes too. Like I, I did work with a teen at one point who like had just recently aged out, but she had been to the games in, in the teenage division right before she aged out which was really cool to work with her. Um, And we have a couple teenagers through Misfit, Jenna Michelotti, uh, Sophie Schaff just uh, aged out. Caroline Wolfell was the one that I had recently or had worked with in the past. Um, It's just cool. Like, it's just to see like, and I'm sure, you know, someone who's coaching them specifically like Sherb can, you know, attest to seeing their progress and their growth in, in these short, you know, little windows of time of, of two years or one year, um, <clears throat> from their games results. And they put in the work and they're just, man, they're so impressive.
0: It's funny because talking about it, you can see the excitement you have for the future of the sport yeah. and not only like for yourself, but the sport overall and where it's going and how, almost like how you can play your part.
1: Yeah. And I mean, we had, we just recently ran a teen competition here. Um, And again, not an elite level competition. This was kids that are just, you know, everyday athletes at their own gym. And we had this little peanut kid. He is nine years old. Um, He had been doing CrossFit for, I don't even know how many years, but, you know, our gym allowed him into the 10 to 12 age group division. And he was one of the only kids to climb the rope in his division and like everybody's in awe by this little kid. Cause he's literally like this little peanut. Um, so it's just so cool to watch them and kind of learn what it's like to get gritty and to, you know, really have to kind of suffer a little bit, you know, it's kind of fun to watch.
0: <laughs> All right. So now I want to get to the part that I've been most excited to talk to you about. And this is the juicy part of the, the podcast. <laughs> So, hit me you're coming off the you're coming off the floor at Wadapalooza, and a reporter asks you how you came out of nowhere to win an event. And you had a little bit of a salty response.
1: <laughs> I did. <laughs> so I felt bad because what he was talking about was the specific event in general. And I was just like, Nope, I'm just, I'm going to say it. I'm going to get it off my chest. Cause it's been here for so long. Um, and yeah, I just, I let it out. And I actually messaged him later. I'm like, listen, I'm so sorry if that was rude. I didn't mean to come off like that. Um, it just came out and I just had so much adrenaline from that actual workout and how well it went. So yeah, that was funny. <laughs>
0: So you See, everyone's your comment was rude. right. So your comment was that you haven't come out of nowhere. You just don't follow me on on Instagram or social media or something to that degree. Yeah. So you said on our last podcast that you don't want your phone to be a part of your day. Like that that is a distraction, not something that you should have to do throughout the day to be a successful athlete. Am I capturing that correctly?
1: Yeah, that's pretty yeah, it's pretty much it. Um I'm just yeah, like my my life is my life and I love where I'm at and I love who it's with and I just, you know, have never been someone who feels over time with social media. I've gotten to a point where I don't feel it is important for me to show my life to everybody else when it really is for the people that are in my life, if that makes sense. So I don't know, yeah. that's just kind of, you know, over time, I, I've grown to be that way. Like when I was younger, like back in 2018, um, I'll be completely honest, like 2018, 2019, like I wanted the social media following, I wanted all of that. Cause I saw the years before like 2017, 2016, you know, these athletes, they, they qualify and their social media explodes and that never happened for me. And so I used to, I used to get really bummed about it. I used to, you know, almost tempted to want to buy Instagram followers and all that stuff. But I, you know, I just can never get myself to do it. Um, and I didn't, over time again, like, you know, you, you mature, you grow out of it. And it's just like, you know, that's not what's important to me. It's not where I put my value with my training or anything like that. Um, and I probably just need help. Like I I don't know what I'm doing. I try. Um, but what people see on Instagram is mostly like really just me. Like that there's there's nothing more to it. I I know I'm not some super flashy person, and you know, I just try to keep it pretty real and pretty genuine and um every once in a while, you know, make a little sassy comment.
0: <laughs> which, which is why, why I love following you.
1: <laughs> Thanks.
0: Um, And, and I get it, right? Like we're in this business too, right? Where we're trying to gain a following so that we can get more listeners, more subscribers. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's all we're like, that's how our monetization happens. Yeah. And, right. And it's so frustrating when you see, I think I commented back on your, uh, so Danny Spiegel commented back on your comment. And then I commented on that, that cause she said something about, don't you hate it when the reporters don't do their homework? And that triggered (laughs) me. Yeah, I saw that. Because I I was like, damn it. Like I do all the research. I know everything. And I don't even get the opportunity to get that close to ask you that question.
1: Right. Right. I know. Right. it's a hustle too. Like you are, you have to hustle to, to create content and to, to do all that stuff. And my hustle is doing the work in the gym. Like I don't put more into my social media and, you know, maybe that's a, a fault of mine, but, um, you know, I do what I do and, you know, for some sponsorships, you have to do a lot more and all this. And, um, I don't necessarily have that right now. I have, you know, I have a lot with, most of my um, requirements come through like doing things with Misfit, sharpen the ax, proper fuel. And those are really the only three. And, you know, funny enough is it's Misfit Athletics, sharpen the ax and proper fuel. They're all, you know, owned by the same people. Um, So, which is also kind of cool. And again, you know, kind of another reason that I enjoy being with Misfit.
0: So if you were to come in the sport now, as 17, 18-year-old.
1: As I say, you're making me young, right? Okay.
0: Yeah, as a 17 or 18-year-old. And the way the sport is starting to trend with a growth, right? Do you think you have to have a social media presence to be able to make it your career?
1: Um, no. I mean, I, I'm i definitely not well-versed with social media enough to know, but I feel like my first answer would be no um, I mean, I still think you see kids coming up and, you know, kind of showing themselves like Annika Greer, um, you know, in 2020 was supposed to go to the games, right. COVID happened. And then Wadapalooza, Palooza, I think the following year, like her Instagram, you know, social media just kind of flourished from that, from, I think it was like one event. Um, but I don't know prior to that, but I don't think that she had a whole ton of following. And then I look at someone like, you know, we have two Sabatinis at our gym who both went to the games, one, both podiumed. Gigi was in the uh, older age group when she podiumed, and not a huge social media following, but, you know, still competed at the highest level at her age at the time. Um, I don't think you need it. What do you think?
0: I think as it grows, you almost have to look at yourself like a business, yeah, like what That's investments true. are you go are you going to make into your business to sustain yourself? Now, you love coaching and and so you that gives you the opportunity to not have to do x, y, and z, right? Because you can support yourself.
1: Yeah. That's true. Um,
0: but if you look at an athlete coming up who doesn't want to coach, they just want to focus on their career. There's really only one only one way to make money and that is yeah. through sponsorships. And to do that you have to treat yourself like a business. What I think the the bad part of that is is we don't get anybody's authentic self at that point.
1: Yes. Agreed. Right.
0: Like with with Definitely you agree. I get authentic page because you don't care and you're <laughs> not looking for the sponsorships, which is refreshing. But these young kids coming up they're being told, they're being told what to say, how to say it, and how to get the following so that they can sustain themselves over the next 10 years.
1: Yeah. And, you know, kind of what I think a negative impact, a negative side of that is you have these younger girls doing that. And I'm not saying they're doing, you know, I I don't want this to come off wrong, but you have girls that aren't or are trying to compete in the sport or in the sport of crossfit and they want to do it like young girls and boys like they are like sponges right like if they see all this stuff they want to absorb it they want to do it and for some that could have a bad like a, a a negative consequence to it instead of a you know a good one you know it could have you know any, you know, mental health issues and things like that. And it's at such a young age and it's just, I don't know, that's one of the, the impacts of social media that I don't love, especially when it comes to a younger, you know, age group, but.
0: And even prior to social media, I mean, I've been a sports fan for a long time. You know, Michael Jordan said all the right things. It wasn't until well after his career was over and the last dance that we got real Michael Jordan. Right, Tiger Woods never said anything out of line until his life unraveled, and did his life unravel because of trying to maintain this image? Like the all these things have happened uh, in other sports with other athletes, and I think it's just beginning here. But I do think that if you want to succeed, you have to look at yourself like a business, and you have to make strategic decisions from day one as to how you want to run your business.
1: Yeah, which I mean at the age of 17, 18, hopefully you have somebody you know whether it's your parent or you know if an agent, I feel like that that side of the sport is growing a lot as well, you know, there to to help you make those right decisions.
0: Yeah, and the hopefully you get the right agent.
1: Yeah. Right. Yeah. Because that's something I I don't know like that's something I'm really like don't really know much about is like agency within the sport of CrossFit. But I do know quite a few athletes that do have them. Um, I just don't know a whole ton of details on it.
0: Yeah. it. I just, your, your comment sprung a lot into my head about the status of where we are with this whole, and it's, and I think it's more prevalent on the female side than the men's side right now.
1: Yeah, I could see that. And I, you know, like, there are certain companies who I have reached out to in the past that say like you need a certain amount of following on your social media if you want to be considered. And that was kind of a, you know, not that it's defeating, but it's like, well, okay. I don't know how to get more followers. I, you know, I can post half naked pictures. I can post, I don't know. I can do vlogs. I can do that kind of stuff, but I don't have the resources to do that.
0: So, but if you started doing that, then you wouldn't be authentic. And my argument to you as someone with a business degree is that an authentic page at your following is more important than someone with over a million followers. Who's not being authentic.
1: Yeah, that's true.
0: Because your followers are true to you. Thanks. And, and, and I think that's a strategic decision on your part. Like you're running your business in a certain way that matches you.
1: Yeah. I, I can agree with that. I never really looked at it like that, like as a business, but I, I definitely agree with that.
0: I just don't know if today, 16, 17 year olds are going to have the same option you had.
1: True. I guess. Yeah. And really, you only find out by watching it continue to evolve.
0: Yeah. So the 23 seasons coming up, we'll, we'll move on to, to just a little bit of CrossFit and then we'll let you go. Um, so it's coming up. We have a whole new season. There's only two semifinals in North America. You're going to be in the East, Mm -hmm. which by all accounts is the most stacked region in the world do you even think about that going into the season or you're just like, I can't control it. I just got to be the best page I can be.
1: Yeah. Um, I get asked a lot about how I handle all the changes with the seasons like year after year. And it's just kind of just take it one step at a time, one stage at a time, the open quarterfinals, semifinals, like you kind of worry about it when the time comes and you know, when peaking schedule comes up for it. Um, I haven't thought too much about it because if I do, it'll probably stress me out and um, I don't really need, like, there's no reason to stress. There's no reason right now to be stressing about something um, that, like you said, I can't control. Um, and like, they're going to make the changes that they're going to make and you kind of have to roll with the punches, you know, season after season.
0: Yeah. I, I, I think for every con there's a pro, right? Yeah. You're in the most stacked division, but you have 60 people now. There's a, there's a, there's a cutoff from like elite to that next level. I think the extra people are going to help someone who's as consistent as you are. If, if you look at the points, right. Cause you're not yeah. going to have like a big fall off, but there are some of the top athletes. If they fall to 58 or 54, that's going to be huge.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's a, a hole to climb out of. Um, but uh, I, yeah, I'm not too worried about it. Like, I, you know, when the time comes, I will be a lot more concerned and, and ready. But until then, I'm just going to continue with training, you know, <clears throat> through the open, getting ready for quarterfinals, and then really getting ready to ramp it up for semifinals.
0: So this is Kat asking, how do you feel about consistent programming across all the semis? I like
1: it. I think it, uh, I like last year that they had two, uh, for sure that were for every semifinal. Um, I like having, um, you know, comparison. It's kind of cool to see it's, I feel like it's going to make it like you're going to really kind of see the strength of field and the athletes that are chosen for the games that qualify this year. I feel like that helps by having the the consistent programming. So um, I didn't hate it last year though, either, but you can really, you know, programming does matter at semifinals. You know, if you look at an athlete like Christy Arimo who, you know, struggled and had a fight out of a hole to get it, you know, to qualify last year, and then she goes on to excel really well at the games. So, um, it does matter, but I mean, I like, I like the consistency.
0: Yeah. I think it's risky for CrossFit because it's going to point out if their regions aren't equal, right? Yeah. You know, if 20 people from the East would have qualified, had they been in other regions and it's going to be obvious to see that because you've all done the same workouts.
1: Yeah. So would that be a good thing or a bad thing? Like, cause I
0: think it would mean more change. <laughs>
1: Fun. <laughs> but, yeah. It would have to, unless, unless they didn't care, but obviously they're making so many changes now because they do care and they want it to be something that makes sense.
0: Yeah. It, this could be a whole nother show, but it's, I think they're talking out of two sides of their mouth. They want representation from all over the world and they want it to be fair. You, you can't do both.
1: Yeah. You get a little bit from one area of the world and you get a lot from North America.
0: And if you want to let somebody from Africa in, they're probably going to be, the 80th best person or the 90th best person in the world. So you're leaving one of the top 40 out.
1: I will say it's better than the national champions in 2019.
0: That is, <laughs> I, I'll agree. We'll say
1: that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All. So I used to be a statistician. They have too many predetermined numbers in their formulas for it to make any significant change.
1: Okay. Yeah. See, I but, didn't do my research. I wasn't. for
0: But the East is going to get some extra people. That's for yeah. sure.
1: Yeah. So um, in
0: regardless of what happens in the next two rounds.
1: Yeah. Um, which is cool. Like, yeah, it's the most, you know, people had, had said it about my semifinal last year that it was one of the toughest semifinals, you know, rosters to be in. So Um, I think that's a good indication of how, if people are saying that that was a good indication of how my, my, you know, my games went like 21st. That was my, my best finish. I had a great semifinal weekend. Um, so, you know, I think that all kind of played into, into one another.
0: Yeah. You had the 11th person at the games, not make it out of your semifinal right? and finish seventh. Not even right. sixth.
1: Yeah. Like, that's wild. They're good athletes. Yeah, like, and I mean, they figured it out.
0: They did. But they had to They had to go ham on uh, the last chance and qualifier. I don't.
1: I know. I don't feel. I, I feel, you know, there was sympathy because I did the last chance qualifier in 2021. Yeah. And it's tough. It's so stressful. It's so stressful but there's no more of that either.
0: You had your best finish ever last year. Do you think there's any reason why you won't improve on that this year?
1: Um, I mean, unless, you know, you can't, can't control how good other athletes are getting, can't control the programming, but just, you know, I, I was exposed to a lot this year at the games and I saw a lot of areas for improvement Um, and one thing with our training this year with Misfit is, you know, it's not just, there are some things that we're doing all year round as far as training for the games and not just waiting until, you know, semifinals programming, like, or peaking schedule or anything like that. Like there are some things that have been going on all year round that, you know, will really transfer over into the games and being a little bit more prepared for games training uh, when the time comes. So I I like that this year, Um, but I mean, I'm just going to, I'm just going to continue to, you know, focus. Like right now I've really with Wadapalooza, I didn't peak for Wadapalooza. It wasn't, you know, my goal wasn't to go there and, and I mean, it was to go there and do my best and, and want to win, but I knew that my expectation was not there. My expectation was, use this as a stepping stone for the season for 2023. And that's exactly what you know it was for me. I I saw a couple areas that I've been doing a lot of work on and you know seeing improvement and still some areas that are going to need some some focus. And I'm just going to continue to chip away.
0: Well we want to wish you good luck on the season. We're up on the hour so I want to let you go. Um but just remember I do my homework. I recognized you in the <laughs> Miami airport and you didn't I know. even have oh like those on.
1: No, it was so early. That was like 4 a.m. Yeah.
0: It was stupid early. And yeah, I still almost missed my flight because of the TSA <laughs> line.
1: I know. Shouldn't have been that long, but that's Miami.
0: Yeah. So Scott, thank you for it's having like, me on. Oh, anytime. We'll get Ben on next time with you.
1: Yeah. He's actually cooking dinner right now and I'm very excited to go eat.
0: All right.